The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So are you tired of a straight, single job, nine to five? Have you ever wondered what it would take to build maybe a fulfilling and sustainable portfolio career with multiple things or maybe a blend of freelancing? Well, in today's Spark Hot Take episode, we are back with Joy Bacha for part two of our fascinating conversation on community building as a freelancer and how to approach a portfolio or freelance career as a whole. If you missed the first part of our conversation with Joy, definitely encourage you to scroll back and listen as she shares a concept she calls portfolios of community and how that can help us understand where and how to cultivate community as a freelancer. Joy is the founder of Quartz Consulting, a freelance consulting firm that has advised startups, venture capital firms, Fortune 500 companies, and more. And with a background in law and business, Joy has an incredible story of transitioning from a role at Goldman Sachs to becoming a Bollywood actress before finding her passion in the world of freelancing. Joy holds a JD MBA from Harvard University and currently serves as the head of legal at Syndicate Protocol. With a love for dance and having lived or worked in multiple countries, her life is a real testament to the possibilities of a portfolio career. And in this episode, you'll discover some surprising insights from Joy's journey and the depth of wisdom that she's collected from over 50 freelancers that she's interviewed. Joy shares the three main reasons people decide to return to a traditional job and why it might be time to reframe how we look at, quote, going back and instead unpack the false dichotomy of freelancing versus full-time work and embrace the value of a portfolio career. And we talk about how freelancers can, and we talk about how freelancers can navigate this unfortunate sense of shame or judgment that sometimes comes with making unconventional career choices and how flexibility and adaptability are essential for thriving in the ever-changing world of work, which is more important than ever in a hybrid environment. So get ready to break free from conventional thinking and embrace boundless opportunities of a portfolio career and life. Excited to share this eye-opening conversation with Joy Batra. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 
Hey, this is Jonathan Fields, and I am joined today by Joy Batra, who is the founder of Quartz Consulting, the author of a really cool new book, The Freelance Mindset. Now, if you have been a regular listener, you heard us dive deep into a conversation in a recent past episode about creating community when you are working solo, really rich. So be sure to listen to that conversation, especially if that's on your mind. Joy has some really powerful insights. She's someone who's built her career in the world of big organizations and then went out, found her own thing, and really put together what's often called a portfolio career these days. And not just a portfolio career, but a portfolio life, where she's allocated different time and energy to doing awesome things. For those who weren't tuned in for the last conversation, let's do just like a little bit of a quick refresh here. Joy, starting out um, in the world of law and then finance, having a deep passion for um, Bollywood as well and acting and performing in that space, you made this really interesting move to sort of like go out on your own and find a way to bring all these different things together. How long have you actually been living in this sort of freelance slash portfolio world now? It's been a decade now, surprisingly. Uh, when I first jumped into freelancing, I did so headfirst and I had no idea what was coming next. I accepted an acting contract. Uh, I had six-figure student loans. I had just graduated from law school and business school. And then I suddenly needed to kind of cobble together a living that would allow me to live in India, also pay my loans, also have time for auditions. And what I discovered was freelancing and building a portfolio career that would have space for all three of those. Now, I'm curious, and we didn't actually, we didn't dive into this in part one of this conversation, but what I found is that some sometimes when people are in this mainstream path and they're building a career and they're doing well, and especially if they've sort of like lined up big names in education and the businesses they're working on, and they decide to actually make this really interesting zag that you did out into the world of freelancing and portfolio career, that they can experience judgment from those around them. That might be family, that might be close friends, that might be their peers who are saying, we've all worked really hard and taken years and a lot of resources to get to this place. How can you just, quote, leave it behind? I experienced that in a very past life. I worked for one of the largest law firms in the world in New York City. And I literally left and my, my departure memo that landed on every desk there basically said, hey, I'm leaving not just the law firm, but the practice of law to go lead people up mountains and play in the world of fitness and entrepreneurship. Some people got it, but there were a lot of raised eyebrows when like I heard like, and people were kind of like, oh man, you couldn't hack it, could you? So it was an interesting moment. I'm curious whether you dealt with that at all as you made the transition. I love that story. That's very, very similar to my own experience. I remember getting this acting contract and I was also supposed to start work at a very large law firm in Silicon Valley. And I had made internally the decision to pursue acting, but I had to call the hiring manager and tell him that I was making this change to my career. And I got him on the phone and I told him I'm going to act in Bollywood. And he just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> I mean, what else, what else can you do in that moment? Uh, but you know, there was the full spectrum of reactions. Many of my friends and relatives were super supportive of a once in a lifetime chance, but there were others, uh, for example, some relatives, including my mom, who were worried for me, you know, they wondered kind of of how are you going to be able to sustain yourself financially? What does this mean for you long run? 
And then, of course, there's that third component who uh, who don't understand exactly why you're making the decision, and they can bring out that judgment. But what's interesting is, you know, a lot of people when they're making what seems outwardly like a very large change, internally, it's not. I mean, internally, the voices have been nudging you in a particular direction for a while. And eventually, they reach a building point where your soul is telling you, you must go in a certain direction. And the alternative of staying in a you know, in in the life that you lived in before just wouldn't work. As an example, uh, I was at one of my reunions at law school and actually a lawyer who was a few years ahead of me had become, you know, a pretty successful actor in Hollywood. And she also has a similar story of sitting at her desk at a law firm and she was typing out a memo. And then, I don't know, she just basically had a vision of herself going downstairs telling the partner that, you know, she was leaving the law. And then she walked outside and she was like, oh my God, I just resigned my job. What do I do? But she had known for a long time that she had wanted to make a move. And eventually it just became time for her to jump. Yeah, no, and, and I felt that too. And it sounds like you you did as well. You, you hit a certain critical mass where you're like, all right, the pain of staying is now exceeding um, whatever benefit I perceive of being here. So I'm just, it, it's time. So interestingly, and this kind of moves us into our topic of the day, should you return to a traditional nine to five job? When I left back then, and I'm sure other people have had this experience, one of the folks who would regularly ask me whenever I w- would see him, hey, are you going back to the law yet? Um, was actually my wife's grandfather, you know, who was then I think in his, in his 90s. So different generation, like that generation was, you know, it was depression era generation. You put your head down. You took a job if you had it and you just worked until you retired. You know, if you ever retired and your primary thing was just put a roof over the head and food over the table. So, but it was, it was fun. We, we used to laugh about it. And he was somebody who was like a great man, but he had one job his whole life and he just couldn't wrap his head around me leaving this big thing to go and do something so uncertain and who knew what was going to happen. But at some point, some of us will start to ask ourselves that question. We go out on our own and maybe things aren't going the way we thought they'd go. Maybe things are more challenging. Maybe we're seeing our bank accounts run low. There could be any number of reasons. You know, we've seen this phenomenon over the last three years. There's first, it was the great resignation. And then there was the great regret. And then there was the great return and the boomerangs, Right. There's so many layers to this thing of like, okay, so so let's say I'm out of my own now and I'm figuring it out or trying to figure it out. But is there a moment where it actually makes sense to consider going, quote, back to this thing called a nine to five or a mainstream gig? Talk to me just sort of broadly about your thoughts on this. This question of should I return to a traditional nine to five job is the most challenging question that you will ask yourself as a freelancer. And it's a question that you will ask yourself again and again, no matter how long your freelance career is. So when I think about how I dealt with this and how the 50 freelancers that I interviewed dealt with this, a few themes kind of emerged, uh, which surprised me because the freelancers that I interviewed came from a variety of professions. Some were, you know, baristas at a coffee shop, some were musicians, acrobats, engineers, lawyers. There was the whole gamut. But when people thought about whether or not to return to a traditional nine to five job, it was usually because something had changed and it was usually one of three things. So the first thing that could have changed and I'll give a story to illustrate each of these. The first thing was their inner world might have changed. 
So something about freelancing emotionally, psychologically is not working for me the way it used to. As an example, there was an actor that I knew who had a you know, a reasonably successful career in New York on stage and in commercials, but she wanted to do more and she was cast for her dream role in a television show. And she was so excited, but a couple weeks before the show was supposed to air, it was actually canceled and her heart broke. And she realized in that moment that, you know, being a working actor for a living is not what I want to do. I want my living to come from some other trade. And she made the pivot into becoming a real estate agent and is much more satisfied uh, because she knew it was the right decision based on the change in her inner world. The next two areas are essentially your immediate circle and then the outer world. So for your immediate circle, one interviewee that I spoke with was actually recently got married and his wife got a job uh, that would move them out of New York and into, you know, a part of Denver, Colorado. And this gentleman was a video producer and video productions are largely done in New York, less so in in Colorado, but that may be changing. Uh, And he had to decide, is it possible for me to stay as a freelancer if I'm going to support my wife and move to a different state? And for him, he decided they wanted to start a family. He wanted to welcome this new stage of their life. And for that new stage, a full-time job was right for them. The last example is the outside world. So these are changes in the market that are beyond the freelancer's control. And that can be great or it can be bad. Uh, On the great end, one robot engineer I spoke with was building robots as one does. And he was doing very well for himself. So well, in fact, that he got an offer he couldn't refuse to join a company and build robots for them. You know, he reevaluated that his long term goal was to do this at scale and he would be able to learn so much faster at a traditional job because they could afford more expensive equipment and work at a bigger scale. And he would be able to get to his end goal much faster through a full time job than he could as a freelancer. And on the flip side, it can still happen that, you know, you realize you'll have more income with a full time job than you will as a freelancer, depending on how the market is perceiving your skills. Yeah, I, I love that frame of sort of like looking at the three different levels and really understanding like what has shifted that might be the inciting incident for you to rethink this. You know, the other thing that pops into my head is regardless of which one of those three different frames, have, and maybe all three of them have actually shifted simultaneously, I think that sometimes happens. My sense is one of the big resistances to potentially consider going back to a full-time job is a sense of social judgment. You know, like maybe you left something to go out and do this thing and you were judged for doing that. And and now you're out there doing it and you're trying to prove yourself and um, and maybe you're even doing well, but like you just said in that last example, there's something that's even better that presents itself that actually exists back in the mainstream world. It's not even that you're not succeeding in what you're doing sometimes. It's just that there's something that feels even better, even more opportune. But if you've left something before you you've potentially been judged or been concerned about being judged for doing it and then you sort of quote go back to that world that you left i wonder if you know part of the script that stops people from even thinking about it even when it probably makes sense to do it is a shame script that's running in their head that says oh i failed and maybe that's like my own self chatter and then those around me are going to judge me and they're going to be like oh that person you couldn't hack it you failed, like you tried and you failed. We told you beforehand and you still went and did it. And now look what's happened. And there's like this, this script running in your head that is just really driven by shame that stops us from making a more objective choice. I'm curious, because you've spoken to so many people about it. Did this come up at all in any of those conversations? 
Yeah, it can be so painful sometimes to navigate the shame that comes with making a decision that's different from what society expects us to make and from the one that society would like us to make in order to continue functioning. And it's it's funny when people think about leaving freelancing to go back to a full-time job, they've already dealt with the shame issue the first time, which was when they moved from traditional to a freelance work. And they had to really get clear about why are they freelancing? What are the benefits that freelance will give to them? How will they manage the risks? And they went and did it anyway. So that was the first kind of inoculation of resisting judgment and shame and kind of following your own voice. By the time you've come full circle and are considering going back to traditional work, you may have developed a thicker skin, but the shame can still be there. I mean, you can wonder, should I have been able to achieve X or Y goals in this amount of time? And what I encourage people to think about in those moments is really that these decisions you make about going back to a full-time job or not, it's a false dichotomy, kind of like how you'd mentioned it in, I think, an earlier episode about the portfolio career dilemma. You know, you make a decision at a moment to be in a full-time job, but that's not the rest of your life. We are no longer in that generation where we work at one company for our entire careers. We're going to move in and out of different companies, in and out of different industries, and this is all part of the cycle. So if your goal, for example, I'll take uh, one woman I interviewed who is an engineer and a musician. She was a about to go full-time into music and the fear of not having a steady paycheck outweighed the benefits of being a full-time musician. So she decided to work full-time as an engineer. But uh, for her, I think that that decision of working as an engineer allowed her to take her music career to the next level because it let her train with different coaches. It let her be able to take on projects that she found rewarding instead of just prioritizing the ones that paid her the most. So for her, I think she's still planning to eventually become a full-time musician, but having the full-time job right now really lets her lay the groundwork of supporting herself while she's also pursuing her dream, but you know, in different hours of the day. And eventually she may decide to make a leap or somebody may make another leap back into freelance. But this is really about growing uh, as a professional and also getting yourself ready if you're going to make a bigger leap. Yeah, I love that. That makes so much sense to me. As you're speaking, you know what came to me is even the language that we use probably could change in a way that actually makes it feel much more comfortable. So we've been, we've been saying go back to a nine to five, go back to a full-time job. But what if we thought of it as actually going forward? to like a, a mainstream job. And I think that's especially relevant now. I'm so curious on your take on this, right? Because so many people I would imagine have left a job that three years later, and maybe you've left longer than that, but the last two to three years have radically changed the nature of what a nine to five is. You know, whether it's the difference between remote or in office, just changes in culture, demands for people to actually have workplaces that really respond to their human needs. And a lot of workplaces are having to respond to it, whether it's because they acknowledge it and they're they're behind it, or literally it's the only way that they can actually retain awesome human beings. I feel like there's this, we're in a moment also where even if you left something, right? If you start to think about moving forward to a full-time thing again, the fundamental nature of the thing that you left may be so dramatically changed that it may just be actually a lot more appealing to step back into it because it's just not the same thing you left behind. Maybe the entire industry has been changed so much. What's your lens on that? 
I completely agree. A lot of times we think about the change that's driving us to think about taking a full-time job when we were a freelancer. And you think about how the freelancer has changed as a person. You're right. You're not the same person uh, when you start freelancing as when you're thinking of transitioning out of it. But you're absolutely right. The work you're thinking of going into as a full-time job may not be the same. Work today is radically different than work even five years ago was. And it can be much more appealing. It can have solved for or eliminated some of the friction points that you know made it not work for you in in a particular f- previous phase of your career. That's absolutely on point. And we do need to think about this as an evolution and how we're growing and how the industry is growing as well in parallel to, to keep workers. Yeah, love that. Well, I hope that uh, anyone who's listening who may be out there freelancing, building their own thing. And again, this isn't even, this isn't about whether you're struggling. You could be struggling, but you could also be wildly successful, but also just see amazing new opportunities for so many different reasons back in that mainstream world of full-time jobs. Joy, thank you so much for giving us some really good things to think about, some powerful frames to explore as we think about what is the best decision for me, not based on what I what I did before, but based on who I am, what the world is right now, and what really is going to serve me most. Any Any final thoughts on this topic as we wrap? The last thing I'll say is remember that this can change and what you need will change again, even after you've been working for a few years and again and again. And the magical thing about freelancers and freelancers who've worked in a full-time environment is once you've unlocked both of those ways of working, you can toggle back and forth between the two at whatever rate makes sense for you and your career. So as your needs change, it's perfectly reasonable to change the environment to match your growth. And I hope that anybody listening to this can really trust in their own voice and and their intuition if they're deciding it's time to make a change and let the voices from the outside world of shame or judgment maybe be silenced just a little bit. Mm, Love that. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for this um, fantastic two-part series. Again, for everyone listening in, if you haven't listened to our earlier conversation, be sure that you go and listen to that as well. And be sure to take a look at Joy's fantastic book, The Freelance Mindset. This is just the tip of the iceberg in this conversation. There's just fantastic questions and prompts and process for anyone who's thinking about making this journey into the world of freelance portfolio work, which I think so many of us are these days. Joy, thanks so much for being our guest this week, all of our fantastic audience. Always such a pleasure to be able to serve you and and create conversations. We'll see you here next time on Spark. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life. Take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. 
Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.